0: I love the show Frasier. Uh, if you haven't watched that yet, you won't like to just I think it starts raining or something, not on a day like this, but man, I love that show. It's a great show for uh, for talking about family and ethics, I think, and you know, mindless prattle. Um, so we're continuing our series this morning on family. We are family. Um, we're going to celebrate communion, the Mass, the Eucharist, the Lord's Supper in a couple of minutes. But before that, we want to talk a little bit today about the, um, the topic of brotherhood. And of course, there is uh, f- the family dimension that there is the blood brotherhood dimension to that that uh, so many of us have, but then there's also the, the Christian brotherhood aspect of that and the uh, relationships that we have, especially as men one to another. And it's cool that we have in our community so many examples of, like, brothers. Um, I'm, uh, I'm in the Three Brother Club myself. Um, Mark Ludwig, he's in the Free Brother Club. I, I've, I'm always, like, thrilled to see the Holiday Boys, you know, come in with all of their Oriole stuff. You've got to check out Bill's shirt today, by the way. It's really cool. I mean, just, it just fills my heart with joy to see the Oriole love that comes from that family. Um, and then of course we got like, you know, the Hobson brothers. They're in the three family club. You know, shout out to the Hobson brothers. You know you know the Hobson brothers? They are so awesome at sports. They once got a home one a home run and they were bowling. I heard I heard once I heard a rumor that they have a grizzly bear carpet like in their room, but the bear isn't dead, it's just afraid to move. I heard when the boogeyman goes to sleep at night he has to check the closet for the Hobson boys. Um, And then, you know, we also have the the Chastain boys. You know, they're three brothers, and they got a little extra something, don't they? Because they got a little sister. And that just makes it all the more fascinating. Now, future prediction, guys. One day, one day, there is going to be, like, this smooth-talking guy. And he's going to come walking up your front drive. And he's gonna say some weird, crazy thing like he wants to take your little sister out on a date. And here's how you want to handle that: you, all three of you, want to get like these outfits where you're wearing nothing but like denim overalls and like like uh, like no shoes, no shirt, just denim overalls, sitting there and they you to know, walking up there and you go, "Howdy, friend. Where are you going? Going to the movies? You know, just kind of really freak them out. Good stuff." Um. So anyway, we've got our community of brothers. We've got a lot of examples of brothers in our, uh, in, at New Hope. I, I became a brother on August 28, 1983. I got a uh, picture. There it is. I, I talked to, uh, to Gloria about showing this picture. I said, do you really want me to show you a picture after you just gave birth? She says, yeah, I twenty 24 years old. I look great. <laughs> um, so uh, Mike and I grew up in a—that's uh, my brother Michael. By the way, uh, we grew up in a suburban neighborhood, and one of the things um, that I remember most about that time is how safe that we felt in our community. I've talked other times about how I felt God's hand of security on us during that time. I realize that that isn't something that everyone can say about their childhood, um, so I feel extraordinarily blessed. Like most brothers, we were constantly together. And for years, it felt as if our lives were moving, like, just in parallel to one another. If I got a certain kind of bike, if I got a blue bike for Christmas, he got the exact same bike in green. Uh, we shared the same room until I was 18. As kids, we had the same toys and the same sports equipment. And as we grew up, we liked the same music, and we watched the same TV shows. And I always le- learned a bit more, I always leaned a little bit more towards, like, music and video games than he did. And he was considerably better at sports than I was, but there was this common ground. There was this common ground between my brother and I that, that, we, that couldn't be taken away from us. And as we entered adulthood, and I got, I got married at 21 uh, to the girl I'd been with since I was 19, and I became involved in church ministry and things like that, he remained single through his 20s and joined the Marines. Um, what was, on a very practical level, two very different paths, I still felt that kind of bond, um, as uh, that bonded together on that common ground foundation of brotherhood. I mentioned before that I felt God's hand of security on our childhood. Um, I believe that. And to this day, I mark it as one of the clearest examples of God's grace in my life. Uh, But that doesn't mean there wasn't darkness. Uh, Nine years after that picture was taken, two very significant things happened. Uh, My family, um, my parents separated, um, and my other brother, Taylor, was born. Another time, I'll tell you about the journey of reconciliation and forgiveness that has brought us to today, with my dad being one of my favorite people in the world. Uh, But to be honest, as an 11-year-old, seeing your mother cry while holding your, um, your newborn brother vividly remembering your father telling you that he doesn't love your mother anymore, and then walking out the door, that, that was an extraordinary amount of pain. If you know Mike and I, you, you probably know that you, you can piece it together. That We're not the kind of guys that are going to sit up late at night talking about our feelings. Uh, mostly we just hit each other with bowling pins and things like that. Um, what we've had, though, is that common ground we've had that common ground of brotherhood Uh, we had this unspoken mandate on our lives to look after taylor i believe that god used that experience to shape our character it shaped the way we viewed the future in light of the past and encouraged us to live lives in service to others so i don't think it's a coincidence that both mike and i take history seriously and that we take family very sister uh, family very seriously and that's the connection The title of this series, again, is We Are Family. We are family. New Hope Community Church is a family of families that consists of brothers and sisters and mothers and fathers and husbands and wives and sons and daughters. And the aim of this series then could be seen as finding our calling, maybe, as such people. How is it that we are to relate to each other? Galatians six two says, we should carry each other's burdens in this way, and in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. Um, a few years after I uh, left, um, actually, I was still living at home, but uh, a few years after high school, I uh, got the bold idea that um, I should go into some sort of vocational ministry, and I was 19 years old, and I, on a complete just wave of the Holy Spirit. I walked, into Grace, I walked into Grace Fellowship Church and asked for a job, and by some miracle, they said yes. And I remember, like, just this, it was just overwhelming change of life that happened. And what they did our first week, uh, first couple of weeks, they took us out to, because I was working for, like, a, a summer, summer camp group um, during that time. They took us out to Deep Creek Lake, and they put us on this, like, pontoon boat, and they said, okay, this isn't going to happen without your guys' like complete commitment, because the next couple months are going to be just an awful time if you're not in love with one another. Um, so what we want to do is uh, just spend the next, like what felt like six hours, but it actually flew by, um, going around and each individual person telling their story. And, and as I sat there, and I, of course I told my story, and... Um, and then I started hearing the different individuals that were on that boat. And some people had you know stories that were far more gruesome than mine, and other people had stories that were far more you know, joyful than mine. But what I found was that when you look at all of that together, there's just this enormous amount of common ground that develops, especially when you then put Jesus at the center. It was like when Jesus was put at the center all of these stories started clicking together. I think that, that Zach and Kristen had the right idea last week. They called us all children of God. If that's the case, then we're all brothers and sisters of the same family. Kendall's going to talk next week about, about sisterhood. But today we want to focus on men. And regardless of occupation, life stage, political persuasion, economic philosophy, see, you have brothers sitting all around you. We began this series talking about motherhood, or in other words, this this source of life that is God in the most dynamic sense imaginable. And we'll end the series talking about fatherhood, the one in whom we have our identity, the father whose kingdom we seek with his son by our side and his spirit moving through us. When we embrace the family of God, we are not called to the life of a hermit excluding ourselves from other we are uh, excluding ourselves from others we're rather called to a life of community this exciting and scary and risky and comforting and open unsafe family in which we live and move and breathe ours is the family of god because regardless of our differences we find that in christ we have everything in common our common ground is our common story. Ours is the truth that says that in Christ, even the rich man has everything in common with the man who doesn't know where his family's next meal will come from. Our struggle then is the same, for it is not against flesh and blood, but against the false narratives we have assumed as our own. We have believed this lie that says that we Uh, will not support our brothers and sisters. We will not commit our lives to the progress of others. And rather, we will believe the lie that says that that our job is to simply help numb this inevitable pain. You see this in profound ways in our culture. When a young man, he he meets a young lady, um, and he begins to realize this calling from God to commit his life to the creation of a new family, with holy matrimony as the centerpiece. And he goes to his friends, his best male friends, the friends for whom he would die. He tells them that on a certain date there will be a ceremony in which he will, in front of his family, in front of those very brothers and sisters, he will declare his fidelity to that woman the one whom he adores above all others. He sees this woman as dynamic, and he has a passion that she will be an extraordinary mother to his children and wife. He wants to give everything to this woman. He desires that the sweat of his brow will be for her benefit. And this friends, his brothers, respond oftentimes by listening to the world around them that says that the best way to celebrate such an occasion is to get drunk and do all sorts of things which run counter to the vows their brother is about to make. This is a broken, false narrative of how our society views brotherhood. And do not believe for a second that it has not infiltrated the church and the family of Jesus Christ. That's one side of the coin. The other is this message um, that men hear from those within the church. Have you ever read books on biblical masculinity, like books on biblical manhood, um, about the, the, the importance of being a man in 21st century marriage or the 21st century church, uh, I think they make you feel like slime. I mean, I'm not saying they do it unjustly, but these books have this incredible ability at focusing in on the kryptonite that men encounter on a daily basis and clearly state that men of Christ must be above such filth. And they'll call out, they'll call out our lust, they'll call out our entitlement, they'll call out our pride, our feelings of inadequacy and anxiety, all these things that men struggle with, and they'll name them sin. They do a fantastic job of describing hell, not such a good job with planning the escape route. For that, friends, I believe we need solidarity, and I believe that we need brotherhood. On this Memorial Day, I, had a, um, I was looking for some sort of an example through history, uh, as I want to do. Um, I thought a couple of other more recent day ideas might be, uh, a recent day example might be a neat uh, thing to show. Um, but then I found this. This is a journal entry from Dr. Benjamin Rush. Um, who, has, who was one of the signers of the Declaration of Independence. And this is his, one of his first experiences with the Continental Army, with Washington's army. This is a journal entry, he said. The American army retired and left the British in possession of Trenton. The scene which accompanied and followed this combat was new to me. The first wounded man that came off the field was a New England soldier. His right hand hung a little above his wrist by nothing but a piece of skin. It had been broken off by a cannonball. I took charge of him and directed him to a house on the river which had been appropriated for a hospital. In the evening, all the wounded, about 20 in number, were brought to this hospital and dressed by Dr. John Cochran, myself, and several young surgeons who acted under our direction. We lay down on some straw in the same room with our wounded patients was now for the first time war appeared to me in its awful plenitude of horrors. I want words to describe the anguish of my soul, excited by the cries and groans and convulsions of the men who lay by my side. First Peter chapter 5 says, Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. Men, they say that the most crafty thing the devil has ever done was to convince us that he does not exist. Um, One of the books that I read recently listened to recently um, was uh, Craig Groeschel's new book, Fight. Uh, it's a good book, um, and one of the things that uh, he said in it um, was that, you know, if you were to ask most men, you know, and you said to them, what, what is it that you would really fight for? You know, what is it that you would actually start swinging fists over? Um, they often say that it's something about protecting their families. They say that if someone was to threaten their kids and their wives, then that's when they would get involved. That's when they would really attempt to kick some butt. Because the truth is that that that's the thing that will really get us going, that that, that threat to our wives, our threat to our kids. But Groeschel says that the truth is that we have an enemy that has formulated a well-crafted plan aimed at devouring you. Your enemy knows you far better than you'd like to admit. And the lies that you tell yourself about yourself, he knows them. And it it is his aim to exploit them and to make you suffer. I believe that solidarity and brotherhood will best be achieved when we can recognize our common When we consider our life's highest callings, we take our life's highest callings, our relationship with the Almighty, our marriages, our fatherhood, and our vocation, these things will only be strengthened by acknowledging the darkness that we all move through. When we are able to be honest about the evils that surround us, then we are able to describe the anguish of our soul's when we're able to be honest with each other and hear the cries and groans of our friends, our brothers, then we will be better equipped to lay beside them in their weakness. And then we can begin to strengthen each other. I believe that Christian men of the 21st century, sons, husbands, and fathers in in Christ, must prepare for a battle that is all too real. Proverbs Twenty seven seventeen says that as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. See, I think that you might say, well, what are you saying? You know, I, I only have so many hours in the day. Um, I'm, I, I want to devote time and energy to my marriage. I want to devote time and energy to uh, fatherhood and being a good uh, father to my kids. I, of course, want to devote time so that my vocation um, will strengthen uh, my, uh, the, the job that I do. I want to make sure that that's honest. So I have all these things that obviously those are top priorities. I, don't make me feel guilty about not spending enough time with you, you know, with, with other men, because I need my time to be with my wife and my kids and my job. That's the important thing. See, see I think that that's true, that obviously those things are our top priority, But what I think we might miss about brotherhood, what we might miss about and what we might see when we think about a doctor laying down with his patients on a straw floor is that brotherhood will not get in the way of our marriages and our uh, parenting. Our brotherhood with other Christian men will strengthen that when I can communicate with my friends, when I can communicate with my brothers, I should be doing so in a way that will be building into my marriage, that will be building into the relationship that I have with my kids, that will be holding me accountable to things like lust and entitlement and pride and anxiety and inadequacy. I need brotherhood for that. I believe that we can do this through many different methods. And here's three that have been on my mind most recently. Actually, four. I was thinking about that. I originally wrote three, but I think four, because the first I wanted to say is I think we should play together. I hadn't thought about that initially. But, you know, I think that there is something powerful when men play a sport together or when men get together on a Friday night and play Mario Kart. (laughs) I think there can be something really good and healthy about men enjoying each other and playing together. Also, there's something powerful in when men study together, when men learn something. And yes, I think that uh, house church is being a central, central part to what uh, New Hope is all about. I think studying the Bible and doing small group study and things like that are, are unbelievably center, uh, central to our, our faith um, and very important. And if you're not in a house church, you need to get in a house church. But um, also, there's other things that we can learn. There's other ways that we can grow with each other and say, hey, you know what? I went through that one time. Let's talk about it. Um, another way uh, is work. When men work together, they are strengthened. Um, work is an incredibly unbelievable way. Uh, the, one of the clearest examples of brotherhood that I have in my life right now um, is these men that I get to work with uh, uh, at Scientific. It, it's absolutely incredible the way that they um, can strengthen me that when I'm having just a, a, an un, like, down day, they can actually just, just say the quickest little thing, just the, just a little comment, or you know, hang out together, or something like that, that just completely turns my, my day around. Um, so work, uh, also service together. Working in service together is also incredibly important. Um, and travel. Travel is also important. And I say this in three different ways. One, I think travel, in the abstract sense... In the sense that we should be journeying with Christ together, absolutely, we should. But I also mean it in like like a more specific sense. Like you should actually go on road trips with your buddies. Like that's a good thing. And maybe we don't like take priority for that because sometimes when you can sit in a car with somebody for like three or four hours, or go to see my friends do history stuff. But if you go and see like a, a thing, or go to a museum, and you ex- go and you travel together and you experience something together. There is a uniting that can happen, and there is something that can really be powerful. And I mean that specifically, like not just like I want you to encourage you to go on road trips. Like I actually want you to go to Lexington, Virginia with me on September the 5th uh, to a men's retreat that uh, Grace is going to be putting on, or at least they're going to be a part of it. We have um, put the applications or the... uh, the registration forms for that men's retreat. Uh, women, if you are the keeper of the calendars, like my wife is, uh, maybe uh, that could be something you just put on the, the calendar. Oh, that's right. you've cle- We've cleared that weekend. That's what you're doing this weekend. Above all, I think that we need to embrace and seek first this common ground that is the kingdom of God. That the kingdom of God is the thing... That when we embrace that, when we seek that, when we find our brotherhood, and we find the identity of how we should relate to one another, the kingdom of God brings that more than anything else. And one of the ways that we do that here at New Hope is through celebration of communion. Our communion table at New Hope is an open table, and we invite all those who call upon the name of Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior to come forward. If you do not worship Jesus as king, You should not feel obligated to participate. The bread is unleavened, the red is wine, and the white is grape juice. First, though, please stand and join as churches throughout the centuries have done in the reading of the Nicene Creed.